0: Hey, welcome to The Walk-On Podcast. I'm Brent Faulkner. It's been a busy season of life for me here recently, and I haven't had much time to record any new episodes. So I wanted to post a previous episode that I did a while back, and I think its topic is much needed with all the stuff going on in our world today. So I hope you enjoy. All right, it's quiz time. What do Coolio, Pink Floyd, Duke Ellington... Tupac, Megadeth, and King David have in common? The answer is Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is one of the most famous and well-known sections of Scripture. It's inspired artists and filmmakers and poets and musicians alike for the centuries, and the poetic imagery of phrases like, The Lord is my shepherd, and Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, have inspired artists and filmmakers and songwriters for generations. But more than poetic inspiration, Psalm 23 contains perspective-changing truth that can impact our lives today. And my hope is at the end of this podcast, you'll not only understand the psalm in a deeper way, but you'll walk away with a little less stress and being more centered in God Himself. So before we dive in, a little bit of background of the context of this psalm. Psalm 23 was written by David, who was a king of Israel. Now, scholars aren't sure of the exact time of writing, but some think that it was during this time later in his life of Absalom's rebellion. Absalom was David's son. And to say that the family had dysfunction is an understatement. Absalom murdered his half-brother and then started a rebellion to take away the throne from his father. And so in this time, David flees, running from his son, I mean, it's like an episode of Game of Thrones. Now, in this time period, if this is when David writes this psalm, think of all the chaos and upheaval and uncertainty that's going on. You think that was a stressful situation for David? And it's possible that it's in this time that he writes these famous words that so many of us look to for comfort. Psalm 23.
1: The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now for
0: a moment of confession. I like to be in control. We have uh, one of those two-seater bicycles, those tandem bicycles, and I have to be in the front driving. I can't, I can't stand it to be in the back and let somebody else do the steering. I have to be in control. And I imagine I'm probably not alone. Many of us like to be in control. We like to know what's going on. And the same is true for my faith. I like to be in control. But here's the problem. When I'm in control, then it's up to me to produce the results. It's up to me to hold things together. And often it's time when I seek to be in control of situations that actually causes more stress in my life because I'm trying to hold everything together. I'm trying to produce certain outcomes. But here in this Psalm, David starts out saying that the Lord is my shepherd. Now, a shepherd is something that David would have been very familiar with. Earlier in his life, he was a shepherd and he tended the flocks of his family and so David knew how a shepherd cares for his flock. David knew how a shepherd feeds them, leads them to pastures and leads them to water. David knows how a shepherd protects his flock. He would be intimate with the understanding of all the things and to the extent that a shepherd goes to care for the sheep that are in his fold. The shepherd is the one that's in charge. It's the shepherd's job to care and provide and guide and lead. It's not up to me to produce the results. It's just simply up to me to obey the shepherd. I remember the first year that I led a team of students and adults on a missions trip to Guatemala to serve in an orphanage. And I remember getting off the plane, going through customs, and then walking out of the airport doors into a sea of people, and I had no idea where to go, and what to do. I knew we were supposed to meet a contact for the orphanage, but I had no idea who they were, what they looked like, where they were going to meet us. I just simply was just kind of walking blindly. And man, talk about stress and worry, knowing that all these people were relying on me to lead them and to guide them. And I had no idea where I was going. And then suddenly a yellow bus pulls up. And on the side in big letters, it says Casa Bernabea the orphanage that we were serving at. And in that moment, a sigh of relief came over me. Because finally, I didn't have to know where I was going. I simply knew we had to get on that bus. And I think the same is true in our faith, in our daily walk, when it comes to viewing God as our shepherd, that we're not in charge. We don't have to produce the results. We don't have to be in control. We can simply sit back and say, God's got this. And so I can relax. But not only does David use the shepherd metaphor, he uses a personal pronoun. He says, my shepherd. It's my, the Lord is my shepherd. God is not far off. He is not impersonal. He's not just a shepherd in a theoretical sense. He is my shepherd. He cares for me. He knows my situation. He knows what I need when I need it. He is my shepherd and the Lord is your shepherd shepherd and he knows you and he knows what you need when you need it. And then because of that, because God is our shepherd, we can make this declaration that I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, therefore I shall not want. Now this is both a promise and a decision on our part. It's a promise that God will provide everything we need. And so because God is the good shepherd who provides what we need, when we need it, we can make the declaration that I shall not want. It's a promise that God is going to provide me what I need when I need it. He is the one in charge. And so because of that, I can stop looking to other things to meet my needs. I do that so many times. I look to other relationships, to my wife or to my kids or to my coworkers. I look to my job, to my performance, how my kids are behaving, what, what my financial situation has look like. I look at all of those situations to try to meet my needs, to meet something inside of me. But every single time those let me down and it's a huge source of stress. But when I put my trust in the good shepherd, that he will meet my needs, that he provides what I need when I need it, then I can choose to be content with what he provides because he is the good shepherd. And then David's poem continues. He says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Did you know that God wants you to rest? I had a professor in a Bible class once say that one of the most spiritual things that you can do is to sleep. Now, keep this in mind. He said this to a group of college students who stayed up late and got up early for class and were burning the candle at both ends. But I think there's truth to this for all of us, because at least for me, when I'm tired is when I'm grouchy and rude and it impacts the relationships. It's when I get angry easy. And it's when I'm more tempted to give in to sin and make decisions that aren't honoring to God or honoring to the people that I love. You see, to be my best, I need rest. Rest is so important. God laid it out as a commandment. In Exodus 20, he says, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days a week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord, your God. So why is rest a commandment? Now, for many of us, we think of the commandments of God as this list of do's and don'ts that we have to try to to work towards and to achieve and put all of our energy to to try to please God. And that is not the case at all. What God is laying out in his commandments is a way that we're called to live, that he's created us to live in a certain way. And when we live in that way, we live in harmony with who he is and how he's created us to be. And so he actually commands us to rest, to not actively achieve and not actively pursue, but to rest and renew. You see the 10 commandments were given to the Israelites after God freed them from slavery in Egypt for 400 years, the Israelites were slaves in Egypt. And when you're a slave, you're viewed as less than human, right? You're not a human being, you're a human doing. And so for the Israelites, their worth was based on what they did for the Egyptians Right? Make more bricks. And so, for 400 years, generation after generation grew up with the understanding that their worth and their value was based on what they produced. And so, when God frees them and leads them out of captivity into freedom, he institutes a day of rest, a day of no work. I mean, think about this. That would have been the very first day off of work for 400 years for the Israelites. And God wanted to make a weekly reminder that you are more than a human doing. Your worth and your value are not based on how you perform or what you produce. No, you are a human being and you are loved and cherished by God simply for being who you are. God created us and commanded us to rest and to renew and to restore You see, to be my best, I need rest. So what does it look like? Well, notice where God makes us rest, green pastures and still waters. Now, you may be thinking green pastures, still waters. All right, golf course and a beach vacation. Bring it on. That's just what I need, right? (laughs) Well, remember that metaphor. God's the shepherd. We're sheep. So what's green pastures and still waters to a sheep? Ding, 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 dinner bell, right? It's dinner. Green pasture, still waters is a place where God feeds us. It's where he replenishes us. Now, Jesus said, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so for us, we're fed through the word of God, the word is active and alive and transforms and changes and energizes us and leads us. That's how God feeds us and renews us. What David is talking about is about restoring our souls. And did you notice who does the restoring? God is the one that restores my soul. He restores my soul. So many of us think that we can do the restoring on our own, right? If I just had this vacation or if I could just get in this other game of golf or do this hobby that I'm pursuing, those things are good things. And and there's a time and a place. But have you ever come back from vacation more stressed than when you left? Only Jesus can restore and renew our souls. David continues in this psalm and he says, He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Now, there's a lot of paths to choose from. Have you ever found yourself knowing what, what's the right thing to do? What's God's will for my life? What decision should I make here? Man, talk about the stress of all those choices in your life. It's like, have you ever been to one of those restaurants that just has everything on their menu? Right? You walk in and you're just kind of staring at the menu and you're just not sure what to choose. And you're just, uh, I, I don't know personally for me, I I enjoy going to the restaurants with a limited menu and they kind of make the decision for you. You know, restaurants, like five guys, right? You're going there, you're getting a hamburger. I I remember the first time my wife and I went to a five guys, uh, we were out on a, on a date and we went there and I'd never been before. So I walk in and I ask the guy at the counter and I say, Hey, what's good here? And without missing a beat, he looks at me and he says the chicken. And I'm like, "Uh, wait a minute. I just, I thought you had burgers. (laughs) Well, here's the truth. When it comes to making decisions in your life and the choices that you sweat and you worry and you fret about, the truth is is that God is leading us. He's the good shepherd that leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And you say, well, I don't know which way God is leading me. Here's a good clarifier. You simply ask, well, for whose name's sake is this? Because God leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And so are my choices about making my name great? Are the choices about my uh, position or gaining more power or getting more esteem in other people's eyes? Or is it about lifting up the name of Jesus? Because if my choices are about making my name great, it simply leads to more stress. Because to make my name great means that I'm the one expending all the energy to further my brand, to further my position, to earn other people's approval, and it wears me out. But if my choices are about lifting up the name of Jesus and making his name great, then he takes care of the results. I just have to simply follow the lead of the Good Shepherd. And you'll find that as you walk in the path of Jesus, and as you lift him up and make his name great, You're walking in the path of love and peace and joy. And the truth is that sometimes the path of righteousness isn't so much about where you're going, but how you get there. It's about how you live your life and the decisions that you do make. It's about each step of the way, each interaction, every moment of every day, lifting up the name and the way of Jesus. Then David continues his Psalm. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The question is, what do you do when you hit valleys? Maybe you're listening to this right now and you are in the valley of the shadow of death or maybe the valley of the shadow of sickness or the valley of the shadow of conflict, or the valley of the shadow of depression, or maybe the valley of the shadow of discouragement. You know, it's in the valley of the shadow that it's so easy to let worry and fear overwhelm you. It's so easy to wonder if there is ever going to be a way out. It's so easy to question, is God even with me? I remember being a kid and waking up in the middle of the night, seeing those scary shadows on the wall, and I'd cry out to my mom, and she would come in and she would scoop me up and hug me and comfort me, and then she'd turn on the light and show me what was really there. The truth is, whatever valley of shadow you find yourself in, God is with you. There is no need to fear. God is near. The interesting thing about this psalm, in the Hebrew language, the psalm contains 55 words, and the 28th word right in the middle of the psalm is this phrase, for you are with me. In fact, the 28th word is you, talking about God. It's as if this whole psalm was set up to be a reminder that God is at the middle. He is at the center of everything we do. And when life seems the darkest, when God seems the farthest, the truth is that he is with you. It's an incredible promise. And this psalm starts out talking about the Lord, ends talking about the Lord. And in the middle is this promise that he is with you. It's as this is just a reminder That God is the one who is in the beginning, the middle, and the end of our journey. Your heavenly Father is with you. Even in the darkest moments, there is hope. Now, David continues the psalm, but he shifts the metaphor away from the shepherd metaphor uh, to that of God as a generous host. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. It's a promise to us that God's blessings will abound and overflow, that he gives us even more than we could imagine. And not even our enemies can prevent us from the enjoyment of God's generous hospitality. God is good and God provides. And then David wraps up this psalm with the phrase, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever a beautiful ending promise that the shepherd God who provides all you need, who restores your soul, who guides your path, who comforts you in dark valleys and who defends you because of what Jesus did for us, that God will be with you forever. We have unlimited eternal access to the goodness and mercy and love of God. The truth is that when we come to understand that the Lord is our shepherd, He is the one leading us, guiding us, protecting us, comforting us. When we understand that all of the outcomes and the results are up to him to provide, we simply have to follow his lead. It's a perspective changing truth that can change how we deal with stress and circumstances and trouble when it comes in our life as a real impact on our physical health, our spiritual health, our emotional health, to realize that the good shepherd is with us. And so as I conclude this podcast, I want to do something a little bit different. I want us to do an exercise of reflecting on the truth that's in each line of this verse. And wherever you are, I want you to take a deep breath, create a space where you can focus in, where you can listen and reflect.
1: The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want.
0: You see, God is perfectly in control. You don't have to stress yourself with the outcomes that you can't control anyway, because the loving shepherd will provide. Now take another deep breath.
1: He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul.
0: Because the loving shepherd is in control, you can rest. Your worth is not in how you perform or what you produce. God loves you for who you are. So rest in him and let your soul be restored. Now take another deep breath.
1: He leads me in paths of righteousness, for His name's sake.
0: God will lead you to the right decisions. You can release the temptation to make your name great, and begin to focus your mind on God. Take another deep breath.
1: Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me.
0: God is with you, even in the valley. And when you sense his comforting presence the valley doesn't seem so deep and the shadow doesn't seem so dark, God is with you. Take another deep breath.
1: You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows.
0: You have a seat at God's table and his blessing overflows. There is no one that is able to take that away. And through Christ, God's love is yours always forever. And take another deep breath.
1: Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever.
0: And because of Jesus, you have unlimited eternal access to God's goodness, mercy, and love every moment of every day. Take one more deep breath. May you go in the peace and love of Jesus, the Good Shepherd.